Good morning. Several summers ago, I took my family over to Tapman Run, to the dirty, disgusting Racetown Lake. And uh, I, I don't get in that lake, but my kids, my kids like it. They, they wanted to go do that. So anyway, I didn't even wear a suit. I had no interest in getting into Racetown Lake, but the kids, they were having a good time. And so my wife and I, we were sitting on the bank. Uh, my sister and brother-in-law were sitting there just enjoying the afternoon. It was a nice afternoon, beautiful day. And uh, at one point, I, I noticed my youngest daughter, Faith, was, was thrashing around, which she tends to do, but she was thrashing around and, and going under, and then I saw her go under again, and then it kind of clicked with me. She's out a little farther than probably she should be, and uh, that was kind of making me nervous. So I'm just watching and going under, thrashing around, and I, I don't think she can touch. And so I kicked into this dad mode or whatever, and ran into the dirty Racetown Lake with my clothes on, like one of those scenes from Baywatch or something, and, and I swim out to, to my daughter, and I, I scooped her up, and in my mind, I believed that I was rescuing her. Uh, she looked at me, and she said, what are, what are you doing? I said, I'm saving your life, and, and she said, I'm, this is a quote, I'm training for a ninja warrior, and I don't even know what that means. Like, what are you talking about? But in my mind, I believed that I was the hero. I, I, was, I was going out to be the hero of the day, and it just turned out I was an overreactive father. Uh, so be it. Uh, this, past, this past week, with the anniversary of 9-11, a lot of programming on uh, about that day and uh, different movies. I, I, and honestly, I, I don't think I've ever sat down and watched any of those movies just because it's, it's still, for me, I mean, I don't know, it's 20 plus years later. I, it just makes me sad to think about it. So I really haven't watched any of those. My son, though, was, because he didn't live it, and so he's learning it, and he was watching one of the movies about Flight 93, now okay, I'm I'm gonna sit down and just watch this with him, and it it was sad. Uh, it was also kind of inspiring when when you think of Flight 93 and the passengers that were on that. Uh, who, if I were to ask you, like I'd go around and just ask each one of you, who's the hero of that story? Well, I don't think anyone in the room would hesitate to answer. Well, it was the passengers. The the passengers saved innocent lives, saved lives in Washington, D.C., wherever it was headed, whether it was to the Capitol or, or to the White House, wherever they were planning on going, uh, these passengers sacrificed themselves and saved, saved lives. I don't think I would get any pushback from anyone in, in the room. But if you were to talk in, to someone or ask that same question of someone who hates America, if you were to ask that same question of someone who sees America as the great Satan, who's the hero of the story? Well, you would get a different answer, wouldn't you? Kind of depends on what you believe. Depends on what you believe. This morning, we are going to read the next part of Jonah's story. And as we, as we do... 
I want you to be thinking about the answer to this question, who is the hero of this story? More specifically, is Jonah. Is Jonah the hero of the story? Now, if you know the story, you know what's coming, you know what's going to happen next. But just go into it with fresh eyes, with a fresh heart about the story, and be looking for the answer to the question, is Jonah the hero of the story? Join me. Jonah chapter 1. Would you go there with me? Grab a Bible. Jonah chapter 1. Use the digital notes. If that's easier for you to follow along, that's fine. Jonah chapter 1. Let me review verse 1, 2, and 3 from last week. The Lord, this is important, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. So where did the message come from? The Lord. God, God initiated this, this, uh, this communication with Jonah. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. The message is, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, go to this big city of the, the, the Assyrian capital, and announce my judgment against it. Why? Because I have seen how wicked its people are. Jonah's response is recorded in verse 3. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. We talked about that last week. Headed for Spain, 2,500 miles in the opposite direction of where God told him to go. Bought a ticket, got on board, hoping, again, it says, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So what we talked about last week, Jonah bought a one-way ticket to Spain on this Phoenician uh, trading vessel. I looked up what they would have been like. The, the Phoenicians were very talented when it came to shipbuilding uh, back in the ancient day. Uh, this particular vessel... Uh, would have been very wide. It would have had a very deep belly to it. The sides would have been quite high because it's a cargo vessel. And at the time, uh, they, they could carry a lot of cargo, up to 450 tons of cargo. That's how big these ships, how they were designed. It's pretty impressive if you think about uh, the time period that we're talking about. And so, Jonah gets onto this cargo ship. Again, just to remind us, why did he do it? Quote, to run away from the Lord. And now we jump into verse 4 today together. Verse 4 says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Notice the change in communication. In verse 1, the communication was the Lord said. The Lord sent word to Jonah. Well, he ignored that communication. And so now the communication style has changed. Now the communication style that God is using is a storm that God it's not that God uh, just sent. If that's the word you have, it, it's much more powerful than that. The word hurled, this idea almost of, of a javelin. That would be another way you would use that word. Hurl uh, a, a javelin with great force and violence. That's the word that's used there. And you can just imagine the ship. Imagine yourself in a situation like that. You can almost hear the boards of the ship creaking 
and moaning as the wind and the waves beat against the wood. Verse 5. So the ship is threatening to, to, to break apart, fearing for their lives. The desperate sailors shouted out to their gods for help. And they threw cargo overboard. He's got these high sides, and they're throwing cargo overboard to lighten the ship. These Phoenician sailors, it's important to understand that they would have been what we call um, polytheists. And a polytheist would be someone who believes in many, many gods. And they would have had their favorites. So they would have had uh, to choose from hundreds, maybe thousands of different gods at the time and idols. But usually in, in, uh, in the ancient world, people would have their favorite. And so they, they were crying out. They were praying to their favorite one of many, many gods. And nothing's working. They're throwing, throwing cargo to try to get control of the ship. They're praying to their gods. Nothing is working. Verse 5, or second part of verse 5. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold, down in the belly of the ship. So Jonah is below deck, and what's he doing? He's praying, right? He's praying? No, no, he's not praying. He's sleeping. And when we read that, it doesn't kind of make sense to the situation, does it? This violent storm that these guys who are seasoned veterans on the sea are panicking, uh, and he's asleep. What would, what would make him so exhausted that he would be in a deep sleep during this storm. Now we can only speculate. Maybe, maybe it's the, all of the, the tension of the stress of running away from the Lord and he's just physically, emotionally, spiritually exhausted. And uh, maybe that's part of it. Maybe he's experiencing some type of emotional depression. We're not told. We're not told why it is. But it's unusual. I think we look at this and we can at least say this is not normal that someone would fall asleep during a storm like this. In fact, the, the captain recognizes this is not normal. Uh, so he's, he's in the belly of the ship and he is sleeping. Verse 6, the captain went down after him. Listen to his question. How can you sleep at a time like this? This is not normal, Jonah. How can you sleep at a time like this? He's shouting at him to wake him up. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. We're trying everything up here, Jonah. We're chucking stuff over the side. We're praying to our gods. Nothing's helping. Well, maybe your God will pay attention. See, to a polytheist, any God will do. Any God will do. Uh, maybe it'll be Jonah's God. Our, our gods aren't paying attention to us. Maybe Jonah's God will. And uh, that's fine. As long as... Uh, your God or a God uh, rescues us, shows up like a hero. We don't care. We don't care which God shows up. And uh, so the, the captain wakes, wakes Jonah up, tells him to go and pray to his God. Verse 7, then the cast, the crew, I'm sorry, the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods. Again, we're talking about polytheists, hundreds, thousands of different gods. You pick one. And uh, so they didn't know what was happening, but in the polytheist world, uh, the gods were thought of as uh, sometimes 
they would get ticked off and you wouldn't know why. Maybe you offended the God and you didn't even know you did so. And uh, so that's just the world that they're, they're living in. That's the way that they think about the gods. And uh, so which one, we don't know. Maybe someone did something, uh, but one of us has offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. So they cast lots. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the cul- culprit. Now maybe casting lots is something you haven't heard of. It's uh, very common in the ancient Near East at that time. Now, it was prohibited for the Israelites to do this, but imagine like drawing straws. You would draw, and whoever gets the short straw, or maybe you have a little black tip on the one of the straws, and whoever picks that one. Uh, Or think of it in terms of, you ever play Yahtzee, and you have the dice in the Yahtzee cup? Well, they would put uh, a marker, maybe not necessarily a dice, but uh, imagine doing that with Monopoly characters, the little hat and the little train, a little thimble, whatever. Put, and so one of those markers would indicate, uh, represent each person in the group. And they would shake the container and one would fall out and that would be the winner. Uh, you, you, you won. And Jonah, Jonah won. And so he's the first to tell his story in verse 8. So he his number comes up, his thing comes out of the cup, or he draws a straw, whatever it was. And so they just rapid-fire questions at him in verse 8. Why has this awful storm come down upon us? Who are you? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? They've got all of these questions that they need answers to. And listen carefully to his response in verse 9. Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew. Now, that that phrase would be what people uh, from other countries, how they would, that's a term that they would use to identify an Israelite. I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made, here's this key, who made the sea and the land. Listen to their response in verse 10. The sailors were terrified when they heard this. Why? Because they, he, Jonah, had already told them why he was on the ship. He was on the ship because he was running away from the Lord. Which Lord? Oh, the Lord who made the sea and the land. And their response is, why did you do this? He tells them, I am a Hebrew, I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. Their response is, what have you done? Are you crazy? Who runs away from the God of the sea on a ship? Like, that's next level stupid, Jonah. Why would you do this to us? That's the sense of the question that they're asking. Verse 11, they, they want to know, all right, we're in this storm. It's getting worse. What do we do? You're, you're the cause, Jonah. What do we do? What do we do to stop this storm? Now, again, these are polytheists. They're thinking in terms of appeasement. Your God is offended. You've done something. You're running away from whatever it is that your God wants you to do. How do we appease your God and make this stop? Now, here, I just want to Slow down for a moment, and I want you to think about this. We've got Jonah on this boat with a bunch of uh, people who are polytheists. They think in terms of these, these pagan gods, these idols, and 
uh, when one of those false gods is angry, you're supposed to do something to appease it. You make a sacrifice or uh, you, you do something to try to appease the, the, the anger of this, of this god. And that's how they're thinking. There's one guy on the boat who understands the concept of repentance. There's one guy on this boat who even knows that that's an option. Jonah's the only one on this boat who understands that, uh, that appeasement's not the issue here. Repentance is what is necessary in this situation. That that is, that is an option of, of something that can be done to, to settle this storm. Verse 12. His, his response, though, is throw me into the sea and it'll be calm again. I know this terrible storm is all my fault. Think about this. Jonah's solution to this problem, and it's a problem, his solution is not repentance. His solution is not, well, I, I need to surrender to God's will. Nope. His, his solution is, guys, chuck me overboard. I would rather die than go and take a message of grace and forgiveness to the Ninevites. Oof. We're starting to understand a little bit more about Jonah's why. Why is he running away from God's will? We're going to find out a little bit later in his story as the story unfolds. Jonah has, as a prophet of God, he has a full understanding. He has a full grasp of how God responds to repentance. He knows full well that his own repentance in this situation would result in the storm stopping. He knows.